Hi, this is Charlie Brown, editor and publisher and writer of Lucky Mojo Press and the Dirty Magic series, and you're listening to the Melting Podcast. You're listening to the Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Greetings, Lexicon. No. <laughs> I like it. No. <sighs> Greetings, Lexiconosaurs and Word Chefs. And welcome to the Melting Podcast, episode 58. Ah, uh, okay, it's fancy. I am now remembering why we don't usually let him do intros. <laughs> that was... Epic. I don't want to follow that. Yeah. Thea, go wash dishes. Okay. Okay. Hi, Aaron. Hi! Who are you? Other than Aaron? The wife of the guy making dish sound effects in the background right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am Aaron, your grill mistress. I'm AF, your head chef. I'm Theo, the dish boy. He's You're coming. sitting right next to us. Yeah. Don't even. <laughs> We're adults. <laughs> Quotation marks, several sets of them around the word adults. Oh, I thought it was going to be around the word R. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> You know, we are. We are. We. Wait, this is like the royal we. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, so I'm the royal head chef. The royal something. Yeah. So anyway, what do we do here on the Melting Podcast? This <laughs> right here. Well, we well we we also bring writerly things to our listeners. Writerly things. Writerly. Like. Stories. Oh, I do like stories. I do enjoy them on occasion. Well, we have a main with ketchup frequently, <clears throat> <laughs> and corn with corn. Anyway, so to go along with the corn, we do have an, a main a main ingredient story. And a main? Yes, we have anime. We have anime stories. We have anime. Honestly, the name of the story is kind of anime-ish. So it, it, it. All right. But yeah, this is by one of our great great friends, Scott Roche. Yay! Guilty man! Guilty man! He has a great hat. He has a great earring. He has a great bow tie. He has a great self. He yes. seems like a great guy. He is. Yes. So, so sh- should we uh, should we listen to the story then? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. Bon appetit. Counting down, aka. Barry and the Moonbat by Scott Roche. Barry took a long drag on the vape. The thing was ancient, held together by duct tape and dreams, and completely illegal. But it did what it was supposed to. His lungs filled with a combination of nicotine and THC. It was his own blend, and it was the only thing that kept him going on his job. Well, that and the fact that he honestly had no choice. Thanks to the AI strike of 54, the work he did was unfit for free humans and artificial intelligences. 948Z3793. You have taken your allotted 30-second break. You have 5 minutes and 37 seconds to make it to your next stop. Have a productive day. A lack of success comes from too much excess.
The voice was flat and vaguely feminine. I'd be more productive if you'd shut up. He disassembled the vape, tucked the metal and plastic parts into his brown jumpsuit slash pocket, and walked over to his flitter. The superscrapers around him towered hundreds of stories into the air. His next delivery was at level 150 and four blocks northwest, according to the readout on his dash. It would take about four minutes to get there, given air traffic. Hi-ho, Silver. The flitter's AI chimed to life. En route to the next stop, Kimo Sabi. The voice stuttered just a bit on the last S. He'd hacked the software. He couldn't make it smart enough to carry on a conversation without jeopardizing the routing and autopilot, but at least it sounded less dead. The floor of the vehicle hummed and vibrated as it leapt into the air. He sat back with one foot on the dash and one hanging out the doorway. The company couldn't be bothered to put doors on their flitters. It slowed down the pace of delivery, and it probably also saved the millions, if not billions, of credits. At first, the long drop bothered him, but he got used to it. Three years, you could get used to a lot. While he banked and zoomed through air traffic, he looked up the next package. Let's see. He pressed the button for extraction. A door behind and to the right of him opened, and the steel arm pushed out a brown box measuring a meter on a side. Looks like you're going to one Rosemary Tizzledown. What a name. You weigh in at 20 kilos, and your core temp is 5 Celsius. He swiveled in the seat and pulled out a palm-sized hunk of soyplas. He pointed it at the package, and with the click of a button, a series of red lights flashed on the cobbled-together scanner, his box cutter. A series of internal clicks muttered over the flitter's engine rattle. The package's lid popped open, and white fog billowed out. He could feel cold seeping into the air. A wave of his left hand cleared away the chemical smoke, enough to see the contents. I'll be damned. Is that... The dog had been flash-frozen. It looked to be some kind of chihuahua mix. Its feet were affixed to a base of soyplast the same dimension as the box. He could see flashing ionization. 13 to 29 flash was a good dog. Yes, him was. In holographic embossment scrolling around the base's perimeter. Rich people. Only someone with Ridiculous wealth would pull something like this. Truth be told, life was pretty good for almost everyone, and had been since his father was a blastocyst. A slice of that life had been available to Barry, before the mistake. Since then, he'd gotten a solid idea of how the bottom rung lived. He closed the lid and poked at his box cutter. The block, as brown as his jumpsuit and the skin underneath, beeped and hummed. Soon, the package was as sealed as it had been before. No one would be the wiser. If he was found tampering with company goods, it would add a year to his contract, and he could be sent to a sorting facility. The thought made him shudder, but it didn't kill his curious bone. The flitter stopped at the dock intended for delivery on the 125th level. These floors were unoccupied, 
simply a beige space segregated into cubes intended to make any maintenance and deliveries easy and unobtrusive for the owners above. The implant in his neck made the lock cycle open, and he stepped into the dim space beyond. Lights came on as he walked into the cubicle for the floor in question. When he realized it wouldn't fit into the tube, he swore. Most packages could be zipped up to levels where they belonged, but this one was a few decimeters too large. The voice chirped in his head. One minute to make it to your next stop. Remember, every productive minute is one less on your contract. You can be a self-actualizing citizen in just... There was barely a discernible pause. One million, six hundred twenty thousand, four hundred fifty-eight minutes. He had one minute before he received correction for being late. Rather than bitch about the tube not being big enough, he focused on getting to the lift. Thankfully, since it was a freight job, it waited on levels where it was needed. He did have to stand by for a few seconds while it came down from the 200th floor. It opened, and he stepped in. Once again, his minder told the elevator where he was authorized to go. It stopped, and the door in front of him cycled open. He was about a dozen steps from the service door where he'd leave the package when the tremor in his legs hit. Thirty seconds. The voice neutrally informed him. Have a pleasant ride, and think positive thoughts. I'm going, I'm going. The countdown continued, and he sat the package by the door when it got to twenty. Little jolts of electricity worked from his ankles to his groin. He palmed the door, signaling the package's delivery, and exhaled as the pain disappeared. 948-Z3793. You have 10 minutes and 17 seconds to make it to your next stop. I knew you would succeed. Remember, failure is suboptimal for your journey to a renewed citizenship. Barry ran towards the elevator. It was still there, so in seconds he was back in the flitter. His knees were a little weak. That was close, Silver. Let's get to the next stop with a little more time to spare, okay? En route to the next stop, Kimo Sabi. The flitter joyfully informed him. Right. Barry nodded. He could override and try to find a quicker route. He only got three of those a day, though. The company liked to discourage choice. All that mattered was he had ten minutes to relax. He called up the manifest. The next package was a big one, a meter and a half on a side and a hundred kilos. He reached over his head and made sure the pallet jack was there, like it would be anywhere else. The package came through the door just like the last one. He really shouldn't look, but this one was headed for Cronodyne to a cat named Dick Jackson. The contents would be some high-tech shine if he was any judge. He pulled out his box cutter and tapped on its screen. The encryption on the lock would be a bit tougher than the dog sickles had been. He entered a few commands and brought up the company's protocol used to secure more sensitive packages. The extra security was a joke if you were a contractor with more than four working brain cells. He pointed his invention at the package. It took 30 seconds before the thing emitted a beep and the lid popped open. 
He didn't know what surprised him more, that it took so long, or that there was a woman with a gun inside. Well, hello there, convict. The woman's smile was as white as her skin. Both contrasted sharply with her short jet bob and the black neo-vinyl and vegan leather outfit she had on. None of those things garnered as much attention as the needler in her hand. Barry knew from experience that the thing would fill you with a hundred slivers of metal in the time it took to blink. They could be easily stopped by body armor, which wasn't worn by good citizens. What happened next depended on what they were coated with. She could kill him, turn him into a mindless drone, or reduce him to a giggling moron. He smiled back at her and kept his hands in plain sight. Hello there yourself, woman I don't know. And we're not called convicts anymore. We're contract employees. Really? Contract employees? The woman shook her head. I suppose it is more accurate. Barry considered putting the lid back on. It should be needler-proof. It might not be. He also might not get it back on quickly enough. It helps me to think of myself that way. He wasn't scared for his life. After all, if he wasn't useful to her, he'd be dead by now. Stowing away in a delivery truck and possessing a needler got you incinerated. Killing him was the least offense she'd have committed. How can I help you? He put on his best customer service voice. She squinted at him like she was doing multivariable eighth-dimension calculus in her head. For starters, you can continue on your route. I'm guessing you deactivated your cameras? He shook his head, giving her a sly wink. You guessed that because you're so smart, and because I opened your box. Hard to slip anything past you. She winked back at him. I didn't deactivate them. They'd notice that. Nope, I have a little filter set up. If anyone does look at my feed, they'll see me doing what I'm supposed to. I took some frames from the feed history and added a randomizer. It shows exactly what I've been doing half the time for the past three years. Sitting on my ass. I guess that jumpsuit is good for more than keeping you warm and dry. The lady stood and wasn't a great deal taller for it. She barely came up to the base of his sternum. It sucks for that, too, but yeah, looking identical every day helped. Problem with continuing on my route is, your box is on it. I need to deliver the box, as is. They find out I knew a person was in that box, I get time added. You probably aren't aiming to do anything nice when you get where you're going, are you? She laughed, all flashing teeth. <laughs> I never do anything nice. Here's the thing, contract employee. You have a chance here. You can tell your supervisor you've got a stowaway. You're clever and could find a way given time. Then you end up dead in the inevitable shootout. Or you can let me do my thing, and there's a good chance you'll get time added if you finish your day. Thirdly, she tapped her skull with the barrel of the gun. You could let me do my thing and come with me when I do. That surprised him. 
Very few things in the last 978 days of this job had done that. I'm listening. We do this and survive. You can join us. We're the anarcho narco irate pirates. We travel through the world high as you can get, stealing and blowing things up. And we're mad about it. She pressed the barrel into the center of his forehead. Mostly, we're just crazy. He felt non pressure where the needles would come zipping out. They wouldn't pierce the bone of his skull. Wouldn't have to. Just breaking the skin was enough for it to deliver whatever payload she had. Probably nothing pleasant based on that smile she toted around. I can tell. What's ANIP blowing up today? Pressure on his bladder caused by pure fear gradually released as she pulled the gun back from his head. He could fix this whole thing, though he couldn't see how yet. Just like when he was mashing up two pieces of kit which didn't quite go together, he could see the edges of a solution. We plan on freeing a certain device from the hold its creators have on it and becoming chrono-piratical irate narco-anarchists. She looked insanely proud of that statement, delivered as it was without apparent error. Time machine. He said the three syllables with reverence. You're going to steal a time machine. He knew such a thing was possible. He'd even toyed with the idea of making one himself once upon a time. He didn't have near the money or tools Chronodyne did. His fingers itched as he thought about getting his hands on it, as much to take it apart as to use it. Her eyes rolled up. We willn't have already steeled it. She shook her head. I don't think that's right, but I'll need to learn some odd tenses. She looked at him again, light blue eyes dancing. None of that matters if you don't help. Oh, I'll help. His voice held no reservations. He was all in. He had the choices she pointed out and one or two more besides. For now, he'd stick with her. The fly in your ointment is I have to get you there early. If I don't, I'll miss my next delivery and become less useful to you. He tapped the back of his neck. Nanites keyed to my minder. If I'm not where I'm supposed to be, when I'm supposed to be there, at best I'll be turned into a trembling wreck and picked up. At worst... He made a popping noise with his lips and mimed his head pulping and misting into the air. She clucked her tongue. Don't you worry about that, contractor. She emphasized the first syllable of the last word. I got the cure for what ails you. She reached with her free hand down into the box and came up with a hypodermic needle from hell. It had a central point and four slender arms angling out from the base of the center spire and crooking back in. This will fix you right up. His throat went dry. He'd seen pictures of the subtractor before. This was the real deal, not some cobbled-together street version. It could remove the minder from its spot near the seventh vertebrae and collect the nanites giving it control over him. I have no doubt. Now he just had to decide what to do. Silver, I'm taking over the reins.
he tapped a series of symbols on the readout. A clicking sound and a deep thunk came from the console. Easy there. The woman gestured with her needler. I am being easy. You want this done? I have to take over and make us get to your goal faster. A stick came up from a slot in the Soyplast dashboard. He took it gently. Initiate takeover in three, two, one. There was a shudder as control transferred. Now he was flying the ship. He changed course and banked sharply. Other flitters and larger transports sent him ugly chirps on the broadband, but he ignored them. He adjusted the throttle via large red buttons on the stick. The flitter vibrated deep in its bowels, but gave him what he wanted. Arrival time adjusted. You will be at your destination in 4 minutes and 37 seconds. Please note, any damage or excess fuel will come out of your contract. The minder was only audible to him. Remember, thought crime is an ought-not-crime. Barry shook his head, knowing it wouldn't rid him of the voice. We'll be there in less than five minutes. When we get there, I'll have some time to help you. What's the plan? What do I call you? You can call me Moonbat. There's not room enough for us both in the box. She pouted. Besides, the plan is for me to go in. Once you drop me off, all you have to do is wait for me to come out. When I do, I'll relieve you of your burden. Then you can join us. I'm the getaway driver, then. He could do that. Problem was, if she took more than five minutes, he was shredded. They'd pick him up, and he'd have no good reason not to have moved on. Okay, Moonbat. What guarantee do I have you'll come back out? If you blow the thing sky high and don't make it out, that's it for me. Moonbat looked from the removal tool to him and back. I could free you, but what guarantee would I have you wouldn't leave? She holstered her weapon and put her hand on the stick. We have to learn trust somewhere. He wasn't sure what she was going to do until her hand whipped around and the tool went into his neck. He howled in pain and his whole body twitched. There was a pop and his head felt clear for the first time since he'd gone on contract. When his vision stopped skittering like a bad video signal, he realized he'd slumped back. He sat up and looked at her. Moonbat stood there holding the tool. A small black sphere skewered on its tip and silvery liquid collected in its clear tube. A cocky smile showed almost every tooth in her head. He touched the spot on his neck and was relieved to feel no blood. A little warning would have been nice. He couldn't feel too bad about it since he was now a free man. Until they caught him. She blew a raspberry at him. <clears throat> as long as these bugs are on the stick, they can't short out your nervous system. I can put it back in if you want to messily lose control. Once I'm back outside, you can do what you like. If I don't make it, you're free. Not entirely free. I'll still have company until I can get the minder removed. He could just kick her out of the flitter now. She didn't have her weapon out. There was nothing she could do. 
He could run. But going with Moonbat seemed like it would be a lot more fun and fruitful. Deal. Get back in the box. He took control of the stick from her. Warning, citizen. Signal loss indicates nanite failure. You are in violation and can be terminated. The minder sounded pissed, but it was an impotent anger. This is most irregular. Moonbat climbed back in and squatted down. Once I have the time machine, we can use it and go wherever we want. They won't be able to follow us where we're going. She reached over and grabbed the lid. Seal me in. Once it was in place, he used the box cutter to reseal the container. He was free. She wasn't getting out of the crate. The only problem was he wouldn't get a chance to look at the time machine. He needed to see it and figure it out. The whole thing could be a trick. There might not be a time machine. She'd had the subtractor, though. Those things were hard to get, nearly impossible. And he couldn't turn himself in now. She had his nanites, and he'd let her take them out. They would triple his sentence, at least. He continued to steer the flitter to their destination. He missed the minder's countdown. It had become a part of his life over the last three years. He didn't need it, though. He brought the rig to a halt outside of Chronodyne. Among the other sky castles, this building looked like it had been put together in the dark by someone who couldn't stop shaking. There were elements of old architecture and new side by side. The building materials were likewise a mix of old and new. Deploying the carrier, he put the package on board and pushed it onto the loading dock. A piece of the wall stepped out. Greetings. Please disengage the package and we will take it. The massive security robot had the abdomen of a cockroach and the eyes of a housefly. Two arms unfolded from within its carapace and picked up the delivery. You may leave. Yep. The days of human deliverers were numbered. He turned around and went back to the flitter. He took off from the dock, but orbited the building. Silver, give me a five-minute clock. That was about as much time as he would have before he would be logged as late. He whistled, watched the sky for any interdiction, and thought about what he'd do with his freedom. He couldn't get a real job. They'd find him, sure enough. Of course, even if he finished his sentence, there would be no real job for him. Contractors never got to live in the upper levels once they had a minder. He might be able to return to the nice, safe, middle-class life. The name on his paycheck would change, and maybe the amount, but he'd always be working for people like the frozen dog lady. Would that be horrible? The clock went past five minutes, and there was nothing. No explosion. Nada. His stomach dropped. He was trapped. What do I do now? He slapped at the console. She hadn't made it. He needed to get out of here. Silver, execute White Hat. A series of pops and a whiff of smoke were the only indications anything had happened. Now, he was untraceable. He'd killed everything they put on this flitter to track it. 
With his minder on board, it would have been pointless, but he'd created it mostly to see if he could. Let's get the hell out of Dodge. He gripped the stick and took the vehicle down. The dive was sharp and wind blew into the open doorways. He blamed the wind for the tears at the corner of his eyes. Moonbat has been as crazy as a moonbat, but she didn't seem like a bad person. A loud thunk just behind him made him jump. The door slid open and a familiar-looking crate appeared. No way! He leveled out his descent and used the box cutter. The lid popped off and Moonbat stepped out of it. She wrapped her arms around his neck and smacked a big kiss on his cheek. We did it. How? What? He shook his head. Silver, take over. Aye, aye, k k k Kimo sabe She reached down into the box and pulled out a complicated bit of tech. More art, it seemed, than science. Crystals jutted out and it glowed from within. The time machine. He didn't know what to expect, but this wasn't it. It's smaller than I expected. He didn't know if he'd be able to dissect it and find out what made it tick. Works, though. I blew up what needed blowing up. Caused a big ruckus. And got back into my box with this. Then I set it to put me in the back three seconds after you dropped me off. That thought made his head hurt. That means you were here and in there at the same time. She put the crystal time machine on the dash. It does, doesn't it? She looked at the darkening sky around them and then to Barry. Well, where to? He hadn't been giving that enough thought. He assumed she had a plan. Hadn't she said as much? Not having or sticking to one must have been the anarcho part of her group. We need to go somewhere they can't find us. Or is that some when? He shook his head. I don't know. Then he snapped his fingers. Take us back to 15 minutes ago. She thought really hard for a few seconds. Okay. Given as much mass as we're dealing with, I can do 15 minutes. Much more than that, and we're pushing it. She shrugged, poked at the crystal matrix, and seemed to turn it inside out. Light flooded from it and washed over them and their flying machine. Soon, they were 15 minutes in the past. He guessed. Now we can go wherever we want. We'll have about a ten-minute head start before they start looking for me, and that will be more than enough. Where's your base? She pointed at the moon. Moon bat indeed. Good enough. Time to activate silver bullet mode. He tapped at a series of buttons, and sections of the flitter began shifting. The whole thing shrunk a bit, and the holes where doors should be became doors where holes should be. This particular modification was pure theory. The original design of the flitter was based on an escape pod. The engines redlined and they moved skyward. Can this thing really take us to the moon? Moonbat's eyes were as big as saucers.
Barry cackled. <laughs> Hell no, but it can get us to low orbit and we'll catch a ride from there. I know a guy who can get us the rest of the way there. And with a flash of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty... Hi-ho, Silver! The partners in crime left the super scrapers behind them for a new frontier. You know what we should do? Moonbat. No. You know what we should do? Moonbat. No! I'm sensing a pattern. <laughs> do Theo, do you know what we should do? Bat the moon. Stop it. Theo. Yes. Do you know what we should do? Hi-ho, Silver. Why do I work with these people? Because okay. you're stuck with Shh. us. Listeners. Shh. Listeners. We're going to promote somebody else right now, because promoting these two at the moment is worse than promoting me. I'll take a promotion. You're the head chef! Please the, listen to this. I could be the royal head chef. Uh. Ever notice that it gets dark just before it's time for bed? That's pretty convenient, isn't it? I can think of a dozen uses for Vegemite. Not a single one involves actual consumption. Hundreds, sometimes thousands, of random and quirky thoughts flip through our little brains every day. Thinking about founding the International Order of Dainty Silk Underwear Inspectors. Strictly for science, of course. Sometimes we allow those thoughts to surface long enough to be recognized as hidden gems. Don't look now, but I'm naked. Under my clothes. Scott E. Pond has been collecting his random thoughts and observations for the last six years. Mental Graffiti contains the best of the best, hand-selected for you for this volume. Whoever let loose ninja goats into my dream last night, screw you! You ruined a perfectly good top-secret mission I was on with Celine Dion. Mental Graffiti. Available on Amazon in both ebook and print on January 29th, 2016. Sometimes, you need to take a can of spray paint to your brain. Other times, your brain is the spray paint. Okay, you know it is a bad day in the disaster kitchen when I'm the one being serious. Yes. Well done. Okay, if you're going to act like that, I'm going to put you to work. I, woo, I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't work around here. No, I, no, 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 no. I just monitor You the do now. Because today, you're going to be our short order cook. You've I, been challenged. I accept the challenge. Someone has thrown down the gauntlet, and it's time for you to do the first installment of our new segment. They should pick up the gauntlet. Somebody might trip over it. Yeah, I just cleaned these floors. Why? You're the dish boy. The world is my dish. Okay, on that note, let's go to our new segment, shall we? This is new. This is very new. This is this is one of our new segments for 2018, guys. Ready? Yep. I'm nervous about this. Good. 
because this is our short order cook segment. And also because it's funny when you're nervous. Yeah, well, <laughs> basically what short order cook is, is improv storytelling, mm-hmm. where one of you ooh, ooh. has sent an email with the subject line short order cook and then in my whoever list, you want it to be, whoever you want to challenge. In this case, me. I have not read this email, even though it's been in the inbox for almost a month. What, Theo? So is this our version of Iron Chef? Kind of. Okay. Yeah. Short order cook. We don't call it Iron Chef. <laughs> but, so what? the way this is going to go, Erin has the email open. Mm-hmm. She is going to give me the idea that, that was submitted. I have a five-minute timer set. I get that five minutes to prepare and tell a story based on this prompt. Mm-hmm. I get to take a maximum of one minute to plan. Yep. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We've got submissions for all of us at some Shut point. Shut up. I'm just going first because I'm leading by example. Sure. So that's I, what it is. So I will start the clock after I've received the prompt. So, who is, so first of all, this is from Jason Goodman, I believe. Yep. All, all right. right. Jason Goodman would like you to tell a short order story. Based on this prompt, you've just received your first telepathic request, and it's urgent. What is it, and what do you do? Okay, there's... Holy crap. Let me pull that up just so I've got it for reference. Holy cow. (laughs) This is great. Oh my gosh. (laughs) No pressure. We're not staring at you or anything. (laughs) Staring. This is really unnerving, guys. Holy crap. <laughs> okay. While you're timing yourself, I'm going to go tell some junior chefs. To yeah. Down. You've got 26 seconds yep. before I have to start telling the story. T minus 20 seconds. Yeah. It's painful. T-minus 10 seconds. I hate you. I really hate you. Five. Okay, four, guys. Three. Fuck you. We're not helping. Okay, so I was at work. And I'm, you know, I, I work in a call center, and I'm just doing my job, which is monitoring a lot of numbers, and then out of nowhere. And texting me and Jamie. Yeah, well, and this is the thing. is I wondered why you weren't texting me this. Because all of a sudden, in my head, I get this call from you from Aaron for those of you listening so and she's telling me wow I need to go to the bathroom (laughs) but I I can't disturb the children they're all asleep on me like a pile of gerbils (laughs) but I really have to go to the bathroom so all I could think was you know she she needs this so badly and she's she sent this out telepathically so I have to do something about this she needs it so badly so I took half a day off of work. I had to submit personal time and leave work. So I submit the time. It gets clear about five minutes later. So I just jet out of the call center. And I run down to my car, the Thunder Cougar Falcon Bird. <laughs> and I, you know, just I'm driving as fast as I can, taking all these back roads. I'm speeding, which I shouldn't have been doing, but, you know. Bad, bad, bad. A, a deer ran across the road. But it was behind me, so it wasn't a problem. 
And so I'm, I'm driving and I'm driving and I'm driving. And I finally, after like 45, 50 minutes, pull into your driveway. It's a long time to hold it. I know, right? Which is why I was wondering why you were asking me still. So I run in. I don't even knock on the door. It's not locked. I turn the knob. I run in. And I look. And you're on the couch. And you're just looking at me. You're eating a piece of chocolate. <laughs> and I look at you just... Where's the kids? Oh, they're, they're all napping in their beds. But you have to go to the bathroom and you're buried under a pile of kids. They're like, oh yeah, we were wrestling and then they kind of all fell asleep. But, you know, I'm a mother. I took them to bed one at a time and then I went to the bathroom and it was fine. That's not the time. I slept, <laughs> I slept two minutes. But, uh, but yeah, so because of you and whatever telepathic abilities you suddenly acquire when you get a full bladder... <laughs> I took half a day off of work, drove 45 minutes, and then we just hung out for the rest of the day. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> By that point, I had to go pee, so. <laughs> wow. And uh, with a minute and a half left, that's... <laughs> so, so the first thing your brain goes to with telepathic request is me having to pee. My fr- Okay. You've been around me it while was, pregnant okay, okay. way too much. It was, it was because, number one, it was a telepathic request, and who else would be able to give me a telepathic message but my best friend? Uh. Number two, if it's urgent, knowing you, you gotta pee. (laughs) (laughs) Again, my best friend of almost half my life at this point. I give it three spoons. (laughs) I give it three drippy faucets. (laughs) (laughs) Three visits to Niagara Falls. (laughs) So, uh, maybe not my best story, but... uh... (laughs) The the narrative was very stream of consciousness. Yes. Well, but the characters are believable. <laughs> the setting, I believe to the setting. Your car? Yes. Yes, thunder. <laughs> yes, that's really the name of the head chef's car. Thunder Cougar Falcon Bird. Yep. So that's how short order cook works. Um uh, hopefully works. They'll, hopefully they'll get better with time as we get less nervous and start to really develop methods for this. But uh, you can't see me giving double thumbs up, but you, I am. And you can't unsee it. You couldn't see it to begin with. Exactly. This is a podcast. You can't unhear it. You heard it. You, you can't, can't unhear it. it. Stay tuned for more tales of interest. I did not have to pee that bad. (laughs) According to my story, you did. You realize that wasn't a real memory, right? That was that was me telling. I don't know. I'm a parent. Things tend to blur together. I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Did I sleep yesterday? I'm gonna say yes. No, maybe that was coffee. It was the coffee. It's, It's a mystery. A mystery. Like like meals. No, I usually know what I'm cooking. I don't. That's because you don't live here. It's also because I make mystery meals. See, see, see how easy it is to get distracted and not know what's going on. What? (laughs) Here, have a have a mystery meal. Remember, unedited. So, um, they're a mess. Yeah, have fun with that. Hey, friends. We're not your friends, buddy. That that's all. Oh. And, 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 and then the car. <laughs> and the car. <laughs> okay, so you're not. Ready. We start mystery meal. Take two. 
And boop. Hey, mystery mail. <laughs> wow, it's magic. We have one. And and Theo's going to read it, because he's funny. Theo's going to read the mystery mail, which, of course, is a Mad Lib that we have made with your help. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your help. It, make, it means a great deal. From an iconic scene from classic literature. Classic. Now, what book is today's selection from, Theo? Today's selection is Pride and Prejudice. By, By you know, Jane Wordy Austen. Wordy <laughs> Well, this isn't... Chumpy. <laughs> This is, this, this is not the, uh, uh, the the Tumpy version. This is not the five ten pages describing a windowsill scene. This is <laughs> this is the scene where Mister Collins proposes to Elizabeth. And go. Going. All right. Elizabeth would not oppose such an injunction. And a moment's consideration, making her also sensible that it would be wisest to get it over as soon and as lovingly as possible. Well, you get that over lovingly. (laughs) She sat down again and tried to conceal, by incessant employment, the feelings which were divided between distress and diversion. (laughs) Wordy. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Mrs. Bennet and Kitty spooned off. And as soon as they were gone, Mr. Collins genuflected. (laughs) I wish you guys could see what he just did. Ship me, my dear Elizabeth, (laughs) that your modesty so far from doing you any disservice rather adds to your other perfections. You would would have been less dysfunctional in my eyes (laughs) had there not been this little unwillingness but allow me to assure you that I have your respected Uncle Granddad's permission for this address. <laughs> Uncle Granddad. Slight Thanks mistranslation there. <laughs> tut tut, y'all. <laughs> Butts on trees? Butts on trees. <laughs> but but y'all. <laughs> you can hardly doubt the purport of my discourse. However, your enthusiastic delicacy may lead you to dissemble. My attentions have been too marked to be mistaken. Yeah. Almost as soon as I entered Cleveland, (laughs) I singled you out as the plus five dwarven shovel of my future life. (laughs) But before I am run away with my, (laughs) run away with by my feelings on this subject, perhaps it would be advisable for me to state my reasons for marrying and moreover, for coming to Hertfordshire with the design of selecting 2018 Tesla, a 2018 Tesla Roadster, <laughs> as I certainly did. <laughs> that one. <laughs> I'll take the red one. Took the red one. <laughs> he took the red one. <laughs> Vroom. <laughs> the idea of Mr. Collins, with all his powdery composure... <laughs> Being run away with by his feelings made Elizabeth so near laughing that she could not use the festive pause he allowed in any attempt to stop him further. And he continued. (laughs) My reasons for marrying are, first, that I think it a right for every Pokemon breeder in easy circumstances, like myself, (laughs) to set the example of matrimony in his parish. Secondly, that I am convinced that it will add very greatly to my frankincense. <laughs> and thirdly, which perhaps I ought to have mentioned earlier, 
that, that it is the particular advice and recommendation of the very window-licking lady <laughs> whom I have the honor of calling Count. <laughs> Sorry. Twice has she condescended to give me her tiny stuffed giraffe, unasked, too, <laughs> on this subject. And it was, and it was, but the very Saturday, two forty-three p.m. before I left Hunsford, between our pools at Quadril, while Mrs. Junkinson was braising Miss De Brewer's checkerboard, that she said, checkerboard, checkerboard, in southern England, that she said, Mister Collins, <laughs> you must resurface. A clergyman like you must charm. Choose, I married that. <laughs> choose pleasantly. Choose a gentlewoman for my sake. And for your own. Let her be a cantankerous, useful sort of person. What not, is happening right now? Not brought up high, but able to make a small applause to go a good way. This is my advice. Are you sure that's not Honey? your tiny stuffed giraffe? Honey? <laughs> what? You okay? I am. I was just having fun with it. <laughs> uh-huh. Find such a woman as soon as you can. Bring her to Hunsford, and I will skate her. <laughs> <laughs> well. Allow me, by the way, to observe my vorpal cousin. <laughs> that, I do not that I do not reckon the notice and kindness of Lady Peter Dinklage as among the least of the advantages in my power to offer. That's what she does. She drinks and she knows things. Yep. You, you will find her apricot tarts beyond anything I can describe. And your wit and vivacity, I think, must be acceptable to her. Someone has eaten three of my tarts! <laughs> Off with her heads. Especially when tempered with the Zamboni and lightsaber. Skating at Zambonis, all right. Have which the Canadians her... been contributing again? Mm, <laughs> damn force users. Which her rank will inevitably excite. Thus, much for my general intention in favor of matrimony, it remains to be told why my views were directed towards Grandma's house instead of my own neighborhood. <laughs> Where I can assure you there are many frozen, grotesque women. <laughs> Oh my. But the fact is that being as I am to inherit this estate after the death of your wispy father, who, however, may live many years longer, I could not baste myself without resolving to choose a wife from among his daughters. <sighs> that the loss of them might be as little as possible when the mild disgust event takes place. <laughs> Which, however, as I have said already... May not be for several zeptoseconds. Okay. This has been my motive, my fair twin brother, and I flatter myself it will not sink me in your esteem. And now nothing remains for me but to assure you, in the most animated language of the violence of my horniness... <laughs> At least he's honest. That's the first step. Okay. To fortune, I am perfectly indifferent and shall make no demand of that nature on your father, since I am well aware that it could not be complied with, and that nine-fifths pounds in the four, per, the four percents, okay, which will not be yours until after your mother's decease, 
is all that you may ever be entitled to. On that head, therefore, I shall be nonchalantly silent. (laughs) (laughs) And you may assure yourself that no ungenerous reproach shall ever pass my lips when we are married. It was absolutely necessary. 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 It was absolutely necessary to thwack him now. (laughs) (laughs) I would say well done, but I'm kind of scared. (laughs) That's kind of how I usually feel after After he reads a mystery meal. Congratulations. I think there's a reason why I don't read Jane Austen. Same here. Yeah. Uncle Granddad. It would take me an evening to read a a paragraph. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you think I felt being like, wait, is this... Is this the scene? Is it, what, what? Are they saying words? <laughs> Where's the punctuation? Uh huh. Okay, so yeah, that was a fun time. Wordy lady. Wordy lady. <laughs> hey, we have a new junior chef in the kitchen. Hey, little boy. Can you say hi? Hi. Hey, sweetie. Hey, little man. <laughs> Aww. Well, it's a good thing he missed that mystery meal. Yeah, that wasn't... That it's was, the only meal he's ever missed is in his entire life. Well, it might have put him back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Daddy drone on and on. I don't know. The, the, the lady voice might have <laughs> him off a bit. I'm giving him nightmares for a week. Speaking of lady voices, Aaron, you, use your lady voice to tell us about iTunes. <laughs> use your lady voice. <laughs> Speaking of lady voice. So, so we've just done a whole bunch of fun stuff for you, right? You enjoyed it. We all had a good time. But now there's something you can do for us. You can go to iTunes. Don't snap at the cat. Don't do that. This is why the dish boy does not get included. Mm-mm. He's naughty. Mm. That's why I have a junior chef. But anyway, go to iTunes and, uh, you know, give us a review. Give us some stars. Yeah, like... Help us with our visibility. Stars stars are good. Now, Link, how many stars should they give us? Uh, he doesn't know. <laughs> Aaron, do you have a suggestion? 70. Okay. <laughs> I know it's the best idea ever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Fine. Then you can tell us about Patreon. What do they do on Patreon, buddy? They rub their they cheek snuggle. on a blanket. <laughs> you can snuggle us on Patreon for as little as a dollar an episode. Say one. One, two, three. No. 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 But if you just go to patreon.com slash afgrappin, you can help financially support us. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> and get thanked in advance by an adorable toddler. Adorable. <laughs> Adorable. And toddler should not go in the same sentence. But but yeah, it, it really helps us with hosting fees, just all, all kinds of stuff. And eventually mm-hmm. will help us pay contributors, which we would love. Which is a really big goal of ours. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys do so much for us. We'd really love to be able to get that back. Now, if you don't want to make a month-to-month commitment... You but can you always... still are willing to throw a little cash this way. Yeah, or plastic. Plastic is good. It's not even real money. No, it's not. Then you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash the melting podcast. And what can they get there? Lachlan. What can they, what, can, what they, can they get, get there? They can't get Lachlan. No. They can get no. They can get no there. They get wow. Gotta go. Gotta go. Down. Down. They can go get down. <laughs> go get down. Now what, yeah. what can they really get there? 
They can get aprons and coffee mugs and button pin things and all of it with adorable artwork of us. 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 Yes. Your crew. Now, we also do understand that not everybody has dollars. <laughs> Toddlers. Yeah. But pretty much anybody does have words. They do have words. So they could send us things. Stuff. Like, even. like stories. Stories or prompt ideas uh-huh. or short order cook suggestions. Oh, dear. Or. Yeah, if you want to put us on the spot again, that's the how you Gus on the spot again. <laughs> You're next. Hush. On the burner. But if you want to write some flash fiction, which we sorely, sorely need. <gasps> yeah, that stuff. You can tell we a story? Accept, we accept stories of 1,500 words or fewer based on one of the following two prompts. Prompt number 14. A rash of people have just entered the emergency room. All of them exhibiting superpowers. Dun-dun-dun. And prompt number 15. There is an expiration date for your birth certificate. It's only a few days away. Right. Again, dun-dun-dun. Right, write stories dun, on those guys because they'll be awesome. And like I said, we need the fodder. We need you to send us stuff. And we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Richcreek. Send us stuff!